Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring two performers who are famous in virtually every English-speaking country throughout the world. In this half hour, you'll hear Bob Hope and Sir Noel Coward. Noel Coward has been world-renowned for most of his life. By the time he was 25, he had four of his own productions running simultaneously in London's West End. He is an author, producer, composer, actor, and cabaret performer. On his 70th birthday in December 1969, Queen Elizabeth knighted him, the highest honor that may be bestowed on an English subject. In 1955, 15 years earlier, Sir Noel appeared on his own television special on CBS here in the United States. Here he is performing one of his compositions from that show. Life today is hectic. Our world is running away. Only the wise can recognize the process of decay. Unhappily, all our dialectic is quite unable to say whether we're on the beam or not, whether we rise supreme or not, whether this new regime or not is leading us astray. We all have frigid airs, radios, television and movie shows to shield us from the ultimate abyss. We have our daily bread, neatly cut, every modern convenience but the question that confronts us all is this. What's going to happen to the children when there aren't any more grown-ups? Having been injected with some rather peculiar glands, darling mum's gone platinum and dances to all the rumba bands. The songs that she sings at twilight would certainly be the highlight for some of those clacks that Elsa Maxwell takes around in yachts. rock a rock a rock a my darlings. Mother requires a few more shots. Does it amuse the tiny mites to see their parents high as kites? What's, what's, what's going to happen to the tots? Life today's neurotic, a ceaseless battle we wage. Millions are spent to circumvent the march of middle age. The fact that we grab each new narcotic can only prove in the end whether our hormones gel or not, whether our cells rebel or not, whether we're blown to hell or not. We'll all be round the bend from taking benzedrine, dexamil, every possible sleeping pill to knock us out or knock us into shape. We all have shots for this, shots for that, shots for making us thin or fat. But there's one problem that we can't escape. What's going to happen to the children when there aren't any more grown-ups? Thanks to plastic surgery and uncle's abrupt demise, dear Aunt Rose has changed her nose but doesn't appear to realize the pleasures that once were heaven look silly at 67, and youthful allure you can't procure in terms of perms and pots. So lullaby, 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 my darlings, try not to scratch those large red spots. 
Think of the shock when mummy's face is lifted from its proper place. What's, what's, what's going to happen to the tots? What's going to happen to the children when there aren't any more grown-ups? It's bizarre when grandmama, without getting out of breath, starts to jive at 85 and frightens the little ones to death. The police had to send a squad car when daddy got fried on vodka and tied a tweed coat round mummy's throat in several sailor's knots. Hush-a-bye, 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 my darlings. Try not to fret and wet your cots. One day you'll clench your tiny fists and murder your psychiatrists. What's, what's, what's going to happen to the tops? Private Lives was one of Noel Coward's most popular stage successes. He teamed up with the late Gertrude Lawrence, and they were an incomparable team. Here, captured for all time, is an excerpt of Private Lives. In this scene, Miss Lawrence and Mr. Coward, formerly married to one another, are now each remarried to someone else, and they meet for the first time since their divorce. The scene is written and performed in the drawing room comedy style of Noel Coward. What are you doing here? I'm on my honeymoon. Very interesting. So am I. I hope you're enjoying it. It, it hasn't started yet. Neither is mine. Are you happy? Perfectly. Good. Are you? Ecstatically. What's she like? Fair. Very pretty. Plays the piano beautifully. Very comforting. How's yours? I'd rather not discuss it. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. You'll probably come popping out in a minute and I shall see for myself. Have you known her long? About four months. We met on a house party in Norfolk. Very flat, Norfolk. There's no need to be unpleasant. That was no reflection on her unless, of course, she made it flatter. Your voice takes on an acid quality every time you mention her. I swear I'll never mention her again. Good. Now keep off yours. Thank you. Not at all. That orchestra seems to have a remarkably small repertoire. Strange how potent cheap music is. Someday I'll find you Moonlight behind you starting off with two quite different people in love all over again, aren't we? Aren't we? No. Well, we're not in love all over again, and you know it. 
Good night, Amanda. Oh, Elliot, don't leave me. We won't talk about ourselves anymore. Talk about outside things, anything, only stay with me till I pull myself together. Very well. What have you been doing lately, during these last years? I, I went around the world, you know, after... Yes, yes, of course I know. How was it? The world? Yes. Very enjoyable. China must be very interesting. Very big, China. And Japan? Very small. Did you eat shark's fins and take your shoes off and use chopsticks and everything? Practically everything. And India? The burning gars or ghats or whatever they are and the Taj Mahal. How was the Taj Mahal? Unbelievable. A sort of dream. That was the moonlight, I expect. Of course, you saw it in the moonlight. Yes. Moonlight can be cruelly deceptive. And it didn't look like a biscuit box, did it? You know, I've, I've always felt that it might. Darling, I do love you so. I do hope you met a sacred elephant. They're lint white, I believe, and very, very sweet. I've never loved anybody else for an instant. <laughs> and you love me too, don't you? There isn't any doubt about it anywhere, is there? No. No doubt anywhere. You're looking very lovely in this damned moonlight, Amanda. Your skin is clear and cool and your eyes are shining. And you're growing lovelier and lovelier every second as I look at you. You don't hold any mystery for me, darling. Do you mind? There isn't a particle of you that I don't know, remember, and want. I'm glad, my sweet. More than any desire in the world, deep down in my deepest heart, I want you back again. Please. Don't. Don't say any more. You're making me cry so dreadfully. Someday I'll find you. Moonlight behind you. True to the dream of dreaming. As I draw near you, you smile a little smile. Hope is also world-renowned and probably the most famous American performer of all time. Like Noel Coward, Hope began his career in his 20s, and by the time he was 35, his star began to shine. In 1938, when CBS opened their new studios in Hollywood, Bob Hope was invited to appear as guest. One of the brightest stars to shine from the Hollywood showcase this year was a young comedian who has climbed the heights of Hollywood fame with dizzy speed. Trained by the stage, acclaimed as a radio star, and now, accepted as one of the leading comedians of the screen, we present the punchline artist of the big broadcast of 1938, Bob Hope. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Cliff Hall. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very happy to be on this dedicatory program. <laughs> dedicatory, that's for the intelligentsia. <clears throat> Whatever happened to those people? But you know, all day long, all day long, they've been thanking everyone who's had anything to do with this beautiful building, but I think they've omitted the most important contributor. The California Chamber of Commerce presented the doorman with an invisible umbrella. I just thought I'd get that in there. <laughs> but really, this is an unusual event, and we certainly have the weather for it. There was a time, there was a time... Just take your time tonight. Don't worry about a thing. There, there was a time in Los Angeles when we used to have swell weather, but a lot of bridges have passed under the water since then. Ah, <laughs> oh, they're waking up. But I don't have to tell you again that this is a beautiful building. It really is. It looks like the Taj Mahal with a permanent wave. I mean... <laughs> oh, it's really the last word in broadcasting stations. Very swanky. Even the janitor wears formal overalls. <laughs> with tails and uses a platinum blonde broom. I wish you could be here. And really, everything is so modernistic. Disappearing microphones, disappearing fountains, disappearing lighting effects. <laughs> Reminds me of my last program. <laughs> I had a disappearing sponsor. But my, um, my sponsor was here for the groundbreaking, by the way. He put my option under the cornerstone. <laughs> now nobody can lift it. <laughs> you know what an option is, a nervous breakdown on paper. But anyway, and really they have a foundation under this building. It's really a great thing. When they started excavating, they ran down into the ground so deep they ran into a major Bose unit. But it's a beautiful... <laughs> but really it's a beautiful building. All the Columbia officials came out by airplane from New York for the opening today. They found out how much the building cost, so they're going back by bus. But... <laughs> But really, but really, you should see this theater here. So modern, it seats 1,200. Oh, I'm sorry, 1,201. Phil Harris has a girl sitting on his lap. I didn't see that over there. <laughs> and it's so clean. They have a germ-proof microphone, a hermetically sealed control room, sanitary door handles, sterilized scripts, and they tell me before each broadcast, they're going to boil the ushers. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look on the back of the seat there, you'll find a little vending machine. That's because every time a comedian tells a bad joke, the machine automatically flips out an aspirin. You'll find it right in the back there. It'll flip at you after that one there. But anyway, they're doing away with those old-fashioned applause signs, too. Instead, they're going to use train seals. <laughs> That's a weak gag. That's for the folks who still have the crystal sets. But anyway... <laughs> they were going to dedicate this studio by breaking a bottle of orange juice over the mic. <laughs> But they heard I was going to use it, so they thought it would be more appropriate to break an egg over it. But before the broadcast tonight, they had a very formal celebration. Dinner for all the celebrities, sort of a party. All the stars here in Hollywood were at the dinner. I saw Paulette Goddard wearing a silver fox cape, which later turned out to be Charlie Chaplin. And, um... <laughs> I can't wait tonight. I have a date now, folks. I... And Barbara Stanwyck looked cute. Being properly dressed was no problem to her. She brought her tailor with her. And my girl, my girl really stood out at the party. She was wearing one of those new pancake hats, but she didn't like it. The syrup kept running down in her eyes. I thought that would kill people. But anyway, I tell you, the longer, the longer you think of that, the funnier it gets. Too bad I have to go on with another joke. But before I present the next artist, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to congratulate Columbia myself and say that I hope this studio will live to see the day it will broadcast the premiere of Gone with the Wind. <laughs> and now I have the pleasure of presenting a grand singing star from the Paramount Studios, 
a young lady I had the pleasure of working with in the big broadcast of 1938. In that picture, we did a number that was written by Leo Robin and Ralph Ranger called Thanks for the Memory. Mr. Ralph Ranger is here tonight to conduct the orchestra. Leo Robin, I think, is having his hair thinned out. But first, I must present the plot of this little scene. In the big broadcast of 1938, I, Bob Hope, played the character of Buzz Fielding, a chap who'd been married and divorced three times. Buzz is pretty disgusted with life and love in general when he meets his first wife, Cleo. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting my first wife, Miss Shirley Ross. Hello, Cleo. Hello, Buzz, darling. Well, you look grand tonight. Oh, thank you. You're looking wonderful, too. It's a pretty dress. You like it? Are those long dresses in style again? Well, so I hear. <laughs> well, I'm glad I have a memory. <laughs> it's an awfully nice suit. Do you like that? Yes, yes, awfully nice. Uh, do you think suits like that will ever come back? Well. Say, uh, who's tying your tie now? Oh, I have a little boy that does that. Mm, you mm -hmm. really should fire him, dear. That reminds me, I was going through an old trunk of mine yesterday. What do you think I found? What's that? That green tie with the caviar on it, remember? With caviar? Eggs Benedict, maybe, but caviar never. Oh, yes, caviar. <laughs> have you forgotten the last party we gave in Paris? Oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> Say, that was about the maddest gendarme I ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Buzz? What's that, Cleo? I kind of miss your... You're singing in the bathtub. Mm. Good old singing. <laughs> Good old bathtub. Thanks for the memory of rainy afternoons, swingy Harlem tunes, motor trips and burning lips and burning toast and prunes. How lovely it was. Thanks for the memory. Of candlelight and wine, castles on the Rhine, the Parthenon, and moments on the Hudson River line. How lovely it was. Many's the time that we feasted, and many's the time that we fasted. Oh, well, it was swell while it lasted. We did have fun. And no harm done Thanks for the memory Of nights in Singapore Crap games on the floor You might have been a headache But you never were a bore I thank you so much <laughs> Thanks for the memory Of China's funny walls transatlantic calls that weekend at Niagara when we hardly saw the falls how lovely that was thank you thanks for the memory of lunch from 12 to 4 sunburn at the show that pair of gay pajamas that you bought and never wore <laughs> say by the way Cleo whatever did happen to those pajamas hmm Letters with sweet little secrets That couldn't be put in a day wire Too bad it all had to go haywire That's life, I guess Say I love your dress It's pretty Thanks For the memory Of faults that you forgave Rainbows on a wave 
And stockings in the basin when a fellow needs a shave I thank you so much <laughs> Thanks for the memory of gardens at Versailles Beef and kidney pie <laughs> The night you worked and then came home with lipstick on your tie <laughs> <laughs> How lovely that was huh? Huh? Thanks for the memory of lingerie with lace Yes, and Pilsner by the case And how I jumped the day you trumped my one and only ace <laughs> I remember that How lousy that was We said goodbye with a highball Then I got as high as a steeple But we were intelligent people No tears, no fuss Hooray for us. Strictly afternoon. Darling, how are you? And how are all those little dreams that never did come true? Awfully glad I met you. Cheerio and toodaloo. Thank you. On May 29, 1968, I asked Bob Hope how he felt that day, his 65th birthday. This was his reply. Well, I feel pretty good about this birthday. I've had, uh, I've been very, very lucky. I made a lot of wonderful friends and I've uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know I've met a lot of wonderful people all over the world and I, I've, I've had a full life I guarantee you I've been very very lucky up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and our salute to Bob Hope and Sir Noel Coward. Now here's a thought to remember. Thousands of stock tickers tell the story of the industrial economy in the United States and millions of Americans own shares of that economy, making public ownership of private enterprise tick. It's brought greater prosperity to more people than any other system in the world. Now this is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more from radio's greatest shows over this, the American Forces Radio and Television Service.